What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. I hope you've had a great week. As always, I am your host, Russell Goddard. This is Breaking the Goal Line podcast. We are just one week removed now from the NFL draft, and a lot has happened. A lot has transpired. Uh, We've kind of seen these picks in more of a light. We still got some Aaron Rodgers drama, of course. Aaron Rodgers always brings drama, uh, but a lot to get into. Still going to talk about the draft. I mean, like I said, we're only a week, week removed. And we're kind of in that limbo stage. I talked about it last week, kind of in that limbo stage of, you know, the draft before OTAs and training camp. And we're just kind of waiting for the season to start. Uh, but still a lot to get into. Uh, still cover a little bit more about the draft. I'm going to talk about an I talked about an NFC, uh, NFC division on the last pod that I thought had the best draft. Uh, today I'm going to talk about an AFC division. So we're going to get into that. Before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. Uh, please do. If you have, thank you so much. And as always, if you listen on Apple iTunes, go ahead and leave me a review. Tell me if you like the show. Tell me if you don't like the show. Tell me what I could be doing better. I don't care. You know, constructive criticism, you got to take it. It's always good. Go ahead and do that. Thank you so much. And if you already have, as always, thank you. All right, guys, let's get in it. All right, so we're going to leave the show today with pretty much what I've led almost every show the past maybe month with, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I know, I know, I know. I talked about them last week. I talked about the Trey Lance pick. I talked about all that. But as we go on through the week, things come out. People say things. You know, media says some stuff. Maybe we hear things. I heard I heard Kyle Shanahan's press conference. And, uh, you know, so Kyle Shanahan, you know, we talked about this. He decided to take Trey Lance at the number three pick. It wasn't Matt Jones. It was Trey. And at his, dra- at, at, at his press conference, him and John, they both said that it was Trey Lance all the time. It was Trey Lance. That it was always going to be Trey. However, Mike Lombardi, uh, he, Mike Lombardi, big, big guy in the media. He, he played in the NFL. You know, he knows a lot of guys, a lot of sources. I think he writes for The Athletic. He definitely writes for The Athletic. Not I think he does. He's got many sources. And he was one of the biggest ones saying that Mac Jones was going to be the pick. And he had some thoughts on the Niners taking uh, Trey Lance. He told Fox Sports Radio, his quote from Mike Lombardi here, I'm not buying it was Trey Lance all along. Anybody you talk to in the league that has sources, they're not buying that it was Trey Lance. San Francisco can say it was Trey all along. That's a crock of crap. They traded up to get Mac Jones, and the outside pressure became really bad. The outside pressure became really bad. Okay, see, I'm on the opposite side of this. I've been saying the whole time that there's no way on God's green earth, in hell, the seven layers of it don't matter. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch traded up from 12 to 3 to take Michael McCorkle Jones, as he's better known as Mac Jones. And to me, this is kind of pathetic from Lombardi to say, because it looks like he just doesn't want to be wrong. He doesn't want to have people questioning his sources in the NFL. Oh, Lombardi, you said it was Mac and it's Trey. Can we even trust anything you're saying now? So I think he's just coming out and he's saying Kyle Shanahan caved to the fans. He caved to the media. The outside pressure of how bad it would look for him taking Mac Jones became too much for Kyle Shanahan to live with. Let me tell you something. Kyle Shanahan, a.k.a. not just one of the best young coaches in this league, but one of the top 10 coaches in the NFL, doesn't give a flying fuck what anybody thinks, especially the fans, 
in the media in Mike Lombardi. Kyle isn't making decisions based on what the fans want. Kyle isn't making decisions based on what Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, and Daniel Jeremiah says he should take because this player was graded here and he can't take him here and the fans want Trey. We want Trey. Mike Lombardi, oh, it's good to be... No, he doesn't give a shit. Why does he care? You think that's how he's running his operation? Caving into what the fans say? Look, I like I like Mike Lombardi. I do. I like him. I think he's smart. But I also think he's really butthurt right now. He's really butthurt that Mac didn't go to the Niners. And he was banging the table. The pick is going to be McCorkle. I'm telling you. I've heard it from so many sources. A, B, C through Z. It doesn't matter. It's going to be Mac Jones, a.k.a. McCorkle. That's what I'm going to call him now is McCorkle. That's a cool, cool middle name. Michael McCorkle Jones? I mean, McCorkle, come on. I know why he goes by Mac. Obviously, it's a mouthful, but yeah, McCorkle. Guess what? Kyle played you, Lombardi. He played you. He played everyone. Because I'm sorry, but you're a media member. And the media gets played like a drum. Because it's just so easy to play the media. You guys just, you take crumbs and you run with it and you try to make a cracker. You try to make a big cracker out of a little crumb. You little just mouse running around trying to find any type of food. It's crazy. The media just swarming in on everything. And I, I like Lombardi. Like I said, I, I, I'm not trying to knock Mike Lombardi right here. What, what he says, I usually go by. But like I said on draft night, I can't trust anything that the media comes out and says in the entire month of April for the rest of my life. Because with the draft, especially nowadays with these coaches, McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan, these young guys, they're not going to tell you shit. They're going to hide it. They're going to play you because they know they can play you because you're easy to be played. We were all played. That's all it was. The media was all coming out and saying it was, it's Mac, it's Mac. Sure, I can buy that the Niners moved from three, uh, moved up to three. And said, okay, we have three guys to choose from. Because they knew that Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence were going to go. Because they knew Zach Wilson was going to the, going to the Jets. Because I can't be positive about this. But I'm 99% sure that Kyle Shanahan called up LaFleur and Sala and said, who you're taking? And they said, yeah, we're going to take Zach Wilson. So they said we had three guys. And out of those three guys, I honestly really believe Kyle Shanahan liked two of them. Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And out of those two, I think he was leaning towards Trey. You're there, right? So why not do your due diligence? Let's see what we got. Yay, I'm leaning towards Trey, but let's go to Max Pro Day. Let's see what Mac can do. I like Mac Jones. I think he can do a lot of these things. I'm sure that's what Kyle was saying. Do your due diligence. You have the third pick in the draft. How are you not going to do that? How are you not? So so my, what Mike Lombardi thinks that that he just moved up from 12 to 3, was going to take Mac Jones, and all of a sudden Kyle Shanahan decided to take a kid out of the, an FCS school who's played 16 games in his career, technically 17, but the 17 doesn't even count? You're going to take him? He's 20 years old? You're going to take him over the kid that won the national championship just because the fans and the pressure of the media says so? What the fuck are we talking about? What are you talking about, Lombardi? This is desperate. This, this is terrible. I, I hate this, Audi. This is an ugly look on you, man. You really think Kyle Shanahan's working like that? You think he just gave away to a kid that, oh, I don't know, he looks like a project, but it'd be better than taking Mac because then I'll just get dumped on and dumped on and dumped on. Why the fuck does he care? What is going on? What is going on with the media? I, 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 it does, I don't get it. I don't understand. 
How does it make any logical sense that Kyle Shanahan, one of the smartest guys in this league that we've been talking about for years, who's took quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, running back, and offensive lineman through his whole career and has made them better, and he wants the best ones, decides that he's going to take this project kid that he doesn't know could work over the kid that he really, really wants but is afraid to take? Come on. What are we talking about? This is a waste of time. Lombardi's just trying, he's, he's just, to me, like I'm saying, he's desperate. He's just trying to say, yeah, this is what happened. Ask anybody in the league. It was Mac Jones, the pressure got to him. Bullshit. You got played, Mike Lombardi. You got played. That's okay. So did everybody else. You weren't the only one. Everybody else. I didn't, because I knew, I mean, I said that if it was Mac, I'm not going to fall out of my chair. I, deep down, I didn't think there was any possible chance it could have been Mac Jones. When the third pick came up and the Niners were on the clock, I literally was in my head saying, it's Trey Lance. It's Trey Lance. They're not taking Mac Jones. The camera kept showing Mac Jones. Why did the camera keep showing Mac Jones? Because Michael Lombardi said that's who they were going to take. Because Chris Sims said that's who they were going to take. Because every single person that works in the media and has some sort, some sort of source said that's who they were going to take. Guess what? Kyle Shanahan, he played you all. And anybody that honestly thought that this is, you know, Trey Lance, they took Trey Lance because they didn't want to take Mac Jones because of the pressures, you guys are all high. You are smoking way too much of Kyle Shanahan's smokescreen that he blew in your face and right up your ass. You guys are just still high on it. I'm not high anymore. I'm pretty clear-minded now because I ain't got the smokescreen anymore. But apparently, Michael Lombardi is over here smoking too much of it. I <laughs> just, I mean, come on. Kyle Shanahan is now my favorite coach in the league. He is. He's my favorite coach in the league. He took a big swing, and I love that he did. He didn't trade up to get Mac Jones, to Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan reminds me a lot of Bill Belichick. Not in the fact that, okay, Kyle Shanahan could be the best coach in the league for two decades, but the fact that Kyle Shanahan is never going to tell you shit. He's not. He's going to tell you what you think you want to hear. He's going to tell you, you know, things like, yeah, Jimmy G is our starter for now. And then when Trey Lance is ready, that's up to him. Well, what does that mean? Is, does that mean, well, that's for Kyle to know and for all of us to find out. Bill Belichick doesn't say anything. Kyle Shanahan doesn't say anything. They're really good friends, by the way. And he's probably learned a lot from Bill. But for all of you out there that think that the pressure caved into the Niners and they took Trey Lance because it was, it was the more applaudable pick than Mac Jones, you're high. You're smoking too much, okay? We're, weed's recreational here now in Arizona. You guys are all just going to fucking smoke shops, getting all the weed. Kyle Shanahan's my new favorite coach. He just is. Because he's literally just laughing in everybody's face. Laughing in everybody's face and saying, yeah, you guys are all idiots. And look, I'm sure Lombardi actually had a source that told him they were taking Mac Jones. But honestly, I believe that Kyle Shanahan could have told multiple of the quote-unquote sources to tell everybody that it's going to be Mac Jones. Why Why not? Why not do that? Because that's, here's the thing. If everybody really thought that Mac Jones is going to be the pick at three and it's going to be Mac and Mac's good enough to go there, why the fuck did he fall to 15? Why, why didn't he get taken in the next 12 picks? Why? Why did he fall? I, I don't understand. Oh, it's because he's not good enough to go top 10. Honestly, I still think he was overdrafted. Do I like where he landed? Yes, I do like where he landed. Do I still think he's a second-round quarterback? Absolutely. Kyle Shanahan is laughing at all your faces right now. 
every single media member, every person that thought Mac Jones was going to be the pick. And Kyle Shanahan, he's just going to keep winning games, and he's going to keep laughing and flipping you off while he does it. Well, this is going to keep being the story for the rest of the offseason, or at least until he gets traded or retires. Because Aaron Rodgers is still upset with the Green Bay Packers, and he wants to leave. So he says. Brett Favre, Packer legend, former Super Bowl champion and Hall of Famer, was on a radio show, and he said he's not very optimistic about Aaron returning to Green Bay. And he doesn't think that this rift caused in between them can be fixed. Kind of much like his. It's really weird how Green Bay kind of treats their quarterbacks in a way. And now it seems that Aaron Rodgers, he wants Packers general manager Brian Gutekinds out of Green Bay. When they hired him, what was it, three, four years ago? He didn't want him then. He doesn't want him now. He wants him gone. And so is that going to bring Aaron back? Are the Packers going to do that? No. Packers are an old school organization. They've been doing the same thing since like 1945. They've run the same operation the same way. Aaron was also very upset earlier in the week because the Packers let go of a wide receiver. Jake Kumaro, a 29-year-old who has only caught three touchdown passes in his three-year career, but Aaron Rodgers needed him, right? Aaron Rodgers needed Jake Kumaro, their fifth-string wide receiver, who I don't know is not very good. He's not good. He's a practice squad wide receiver. Why, why keep him on your team? Go get somebody else. You're upset because they let go of Jake Kumaro? How many people that are listening to this podcast right now even know who the fuck Jake Kumaro is? I only know him because I saw him play in like one game. Because I'm addicted to this shit and I watch every game. Jake Kumaro? Aaron, you're upset because of Jake Kumaro? This is just another reason for Aaron to keep getting more upset with how the Packers are running this organization. See, guys? They're they're giving away all my weapons. Jake Kumaro, the fifth string wide receiver. See, Packer fans? It's not me, it's them. I love you guys. I love playing here. I love living here. I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm the best quarterback ever. You guys love me, right? I love you. After weeks of just letting this kind of settle, this is not about Aaron Rodgers having weapons around him. This is not about Aaron Rodgers having the right team around him. I Sure, I do believe that Aaron is upset with the front office. But here's the bottom line. Aaron does not want to be in Green Bay. He doesn't want to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin anymore. He hates living there. He hates playing in the cold. He hates having nothing around him for a California kid like himself to do in Green Bay, fucking Wisconsin. He wants the beach. Aaron wants nightclubs. He wants fine dining. He wants to go out with his fiance and not have to put five layers on to do so. Aaron doesn't want to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin anymore. Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay because he wants out. It's not about football. He doesn't want to live there anymore. But Aaron can't come out and say that because then the Packers fans will turn on him. And Aaron wants his legacy to be a great Packer quarterback. He's been there for 16 years. He's won a Super Bowl, multiple MVPs. In Green Bay, they call him the greatest quarterback or the greatest athlete. I've heard that by multiple Packer fans. The greatest athlete of all time. He doesn't want to live there. He hates living there. If Aaron Rodgers 
in the 2005 NFL draft when he went to the Packers could have had an option and picked a team to go to, I guarantee you the Green Bay Packers would probably be close to last on the list because you don't want to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It, it, this is a city in an organization that's weird. The Green Bay is weird. They don't have an owner. They don't, they don't really run stuff right. They run it in a traditional kind of way. They don't care about the new analytics or new things that are running through the NFL. They do it their way. Aaron's not that kind of guy. He's very rigid. Aaron's family is very religious. Very religious. Aaron doesn't speak to his family, really. Because he's not. He's rigid. He, he, he's not very religious with them. He barely talks to his family. His own fucking family. He barely talks to them. Because they just can't get along. Because Aaron's a recluse. He's more internal. But he wants to do nice things. He wants to have nice, fancy things now. He's 37 years old. He doesn't want to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm sure in Aaron's 20s, it was fun. You know, you live in Green Bay. It's tradition. You could drink a lot. You go out, you know. We're title town, baby. We're the Packers. We got a Super Bowl. It's 2013 and everything's looking great. But then Aaron gets hurt. And then Aaron gets hurt again. And he realizes, where the fuck am I? It's too, it's, now it's 2016. Where am I? Oh, we're in another NFC title game? Oh, we lost again? Now it's 2018. Oh, we lost again? Why am I still here? Aaron doesn't want to be there. And this isn't about football. This isn't about winning Super Bowls for Aaron Rodgers. This is about him and his fiance wanting to live on the beach. Or wanting to be in better weather. Because this, if this was about football, why would he leave? No, really, really, honestly. If this was about football, winning championships, why would Aaron Rodgers leave? Do the Broncos have a better offensive line than the Green Bay Packers? Oh, no. No, no, they don't, actually. Okay. Well, then, there has to be a wide receiver. They, they got to have just a better wide receiver. They got to have great wide receiver. Oh, wait. No. They don't have Devontae Adams. Their best wide receiver is a rookie that they drafted last year who was pretty good, but it's not Devontae. Oh, okay. So, not Devontae Adams. Got it. Okay. All right. Then you know what? It's about football. Aaron wants to win, right? He's what what's a quarterback's what's a quarterback's best friend? It's a run game. So he's going to the Broncos because they have to have a better run game, right? You let's see who the Broncos Oh, wait a minute. They don't have Aaron Jones. And they just got rid of Philip Lindsay. So they have a they have Melvin Gordon, who's had two really bad injuries in his career, and who's kind of prickly. Oh. Okay, so it's got to be the coach. Aaron just probably just doesn't like his coach. You know, we know Aaron. You know, you got Mike McCarthy out of there. You know, he probably just doesn't like his coach. His coach is just no good. So he wants to go play with a better coach. Oh, but LaFleur is 26-3 and as a Packer head coach. And Vic Fangio hasn't even won eight games yet in his three years in Denver. This is not about football, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about winning for Aaron. This is about Aaron wanting to go where Aaron wants to go. His fiance probably talked a lot of him into it. She's from she's from California. He's from California. She's probably looking at it and saying, Aaron, hun, what the fuck are we doing here? You're Aaron Rodgers. You can go play wherever you want, right? So you can go do whatever you want. So go do it. He doesn't want to live in Green Bay. They want Maui. They want the Bay. They want big cities. They want good weather. Green Bay has none of those things. Aaron, this is not about winning championships for Aaron Rodgers. That's just what he's going to say. They don't build a team around me. They're not giving me what I want. They can't do this. Aaron Rodgers has had way more better, way better players than Tom Brady ever had 
in his 20 years in, in, in New England. And he won fucking six titles. And he played in New England. Well, I mean, guess, I guess New England's better than Green Bay. <laughs> Almost anywhere's better than Green Bay except Cleveland, Ohio. This is not about winning. Aaron doesn't want to win. He doesn't care. Of course, I mean, he's a competitive guy, so he cares about winning. I'm not going to say he doesn't care about winning. But Aaron doesn't want to win in Green Bay anymore. He doesn't want to win enough that he wants to stay in Green Bay. He wants to win enough so he can stay, so he can go and win somewhere else where it's warm. Where his, where his fiance or wife or girlfriend or whatever the fuck she is will be happy. That's what he wants. He's in a change. He's in a change over his life. Look, I'm all for change. I moved to Florida when I was 22 years old. I was, I was there for like six years. I'm all for change. I'm all for movement. I'm all for adapting. I'm all for evolving. I'm all for learning and growing. But Aaron Rodgers, you play on a team that has been 26, 26 wins in the last two years. You have one of the best wide receivers, offensive lines, running backs, and two of the best edge rushers in this league. You also have one of the best young coaches in this league. So if you really wanted to win, you would stay in Green Bay. But you don't. You want to go to the beach. I understand. I understand. The, the East, East Coast sucks. Midwest sucks. You want, to, you want to go out west where it's warm, where it's sunny, where we have fun and we drink at noon. I get it, Aaron. But for anybody that thinks that this is about football, this is about Aaron Rodgers wanting to go win more Super Bowls, that's, that's a crock of crack, Mike Lombardi. That's a crock of crap. I will not believe it. Now, look, I'm still all for this. I'm still all for Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay. 100%. Because I love the shakeup in the NFL. And I and I love the chaos. And I was... When this first happened, man, I was leaning hard with Aaron. I wanted this to happen and started liking Aaron more. But as I've gone through this, and these stories have come out, and Aaron's doing what Aaron's doing, and he's getting upset because of his fifth-string wide receiver is getting cut, why do you have to make any noise, Aaron? You already said... You don't want to play there anymore. You already told them. Sources say, multiple sources, three, have said that you have spoken with Packers organization and told them, trade me or do not trade me. I will not be a Packer. Then why the fuck do you care who they get rid of? Why are you saying to get rid of Gudikins? You're not going anywhere, Aaron, are you? This is all just a bunch of bullshit. You want to leave and go out west and you're hoping a team pulls the trigger so you and your wife can go live in La La Land instead of trying to win titles in Titletown. So now I'm back on the, you know, not, don't like Aaron Rodgers very much train anymore because I think this is kind of bullshit. Because he's not leaving to win championships. He's leaving to have a better life. Now, can I really knock that? The guy's trying to have a better life. He's trying to live in a better place. I can't, I can't disagree with that. I would want to do that too. Don't, don't just say this is about winning Aaron this is about you not wanting to be a Packer anymore you just don't want to live there you don't want to play for this team anymore because you hate it you hate living there you've hated living there you probably your whole fucking career you've had to play with this organization that yeah doesn't give you a lot of help they don't do this just come out and say it Aaron I'd have so much respect for you if you just came out and said look I just don't want to be here anymore I don't want to live here anymore I want to go somewhere else just say it he won't say it, though, because it's Aaron Rodgers and wants to be passive-aggressive and manipulate the situation to his to his, to his well-doing. I, I get it. I get it. You know, he's a smart guy. Millionaire. But at the end of the day, this is not about playing football. This is not about winning football games. This is not. This is about Aaron Rodgers just wanting to finish his career someplace warm. Wanting to finish his career where he doesn't have to deal with a 
with a with a team that doesn't have an owner. And if he wants to go to an owner, he can just call the owner and be like, hey, this is what I want. Because he can't do that. And Aaron just wants what he wants. He's 37. He's a 200, 300 millionaire, whatever it is. He just wants what he wants now. He wants a comfortable life. He wants to, he wants LeBron James's life. He's probably looking at LeBron James like, fuck, this guy went from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and now he's in L.A.? And he just won a championship? And he's got a movie deal? And he makes more money there in L.A. than he ever has before in his life? Well, shit, I could probably do that if I moved to L.A., right? Yeah, you could, Aaron. So just come out and say it. It's not about football. This isn't about football. It's about Aaron Rodgers wanting what Aaron Rodgers wants. Okay, so now that I've finished my little Aaron Rodgers rant, sorry, you know, sometimes I get a little off tangent. Aaron Rodgers is one of those topics that kind of, I can just kind of talk about. It just kind of throws myself in a loop, and I just, you know, it's a very passionate subject. People say it's because I hate Aaron. I don't hate Aaron. I don't. He just wears me out, and, you know, it's it's a good subject. It's it's a good topic. So I get I get a little lost in in some Aaron Rodgers talk sometimes, but let's let's hit a little news around the league. Um, just just a little bit of news that came out uh, today and yesterday. Very surprising news here. Uh, Miami Dolphins released team captain and their starting safety Bobby McClain. This one's a little bit of a head scratcher for me from Miami because I mean you talk about just the, I mean he's been there since 2015. He was drafted by the Dolphins and he's just a stable guy in this in, in the secondary. You know, I think he's had something like seven interceptions in his, in his career. He's, he's had like, I think he's had a couple sacks, almost like 300 total tackles. He's just a really solid piece for them in, in that secondary. Now, they did draft a safety, which, hint, hint, I'm going to talk about Miami's draft. If, if you, you know, if you remember what I talked about, you know, in the opening of the show, I'll talk about Miami's draft a little bit later. They did draft a safety who I like a lot. And he does play very similar to Bobby, more of a playmaker though. But maybe it was cap space, maybe it was something. But Bobby McLean wasn't just a, a safety on this team. He was the team captain. He was the team captain. It's not like, oh yeah, he was a defensive captain. No, he was the captain of the whole team. He led meetings. He was beloved in the locker room. And Miami, today, they just they just released him. They just let him know, hey, you're gone. So he's not gonna be he's not gonna be a free agent long. He's gonna land somewhere. And he, now he has the opportunity to go someplace where he thinks he fits really well, probably pay him a decent amount and could win a title. Maybe Miami, I, now I heard something like Miami got rid of him to go uh, get Malik Hooker, who I like a lot. I like Malik Hooker a lot. I think he's a very underrated safety. How he's still a free agent, honestly, I don't know. Maybe his asking price is just a little bit too much than teams want to pay. But if you just drafted a safety, and why would you let go of somebody who's been on this defense now, who's been on your team since 2015? Now he's older than Malik. Malik Hooker's a little younger, so maybe they want to get a little younger, a little more playmaker in the back end. Because Bobby McLean's not a playmaker, you know, per se. He's a solid guy. He's not going to miss a tackle. He's good in coverage, and he's smart. Malik Hooker is more of a playmaker. He's more of get his hands on the ball, you know, uh, cause fumbles, things of that nature. I don't really get it, but, hey, I'm not Brian Flores. I'm not in that front office. I just thought it was a little head-scratching to me. I don't expect Bobby McLean to be on the free agent market very long. Honestly, this has Bill Belichick written all over it. Because he, here's the thing about Bill. Bill, if you notice, he takes a lot of players from the NFC East when they become available. Why? Well, because he plays them twice a year. He looks at film on these players twice a year. So he knows how they play. He thinks, and some of them he knows would fit in his scheme really well. Bobby McClain is a safety that could fit just like McCourty does. And play just like, just like McCourty does in Belichick's scheme. 
and I think it'd be great addition on the back end. This this Bobby McLean has Bill Belichick written all over it. Okay, the the uh, blah, 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 I can't talk. Sorry, uh, the Detroit Lions. They made their center Frank uh, Ragnow the highest paid center in the league. They gave him forty million, forty two million guaranteed. Fifty. It was like something like fifty eight million total for four years. He only still had two years on his deal. But this dude is arguably the best center in the league. And look, the Lions know that if they want any shot of winning some games, they gotta keep Jared Goff upright. They have to. Jared Goff cannot be running for his life. And what do they do? So they went out and drafted Penne. Well, Penne Sewell fell to them at seven. And then they they re-signed their center. Gave their center a nice big contract. Said, hey, we want you here for a while. So now he's... So if your center's happy, and he's the the captain, he's the team captain as well, your offensive line probably be pretty happy too. You got a big left new tackle coming in. You you, you added a guard last year. You're going to keep Jared Goff upright. I like this move by the Lions. You know, I was really hesitant on on the Lions, you know, at the start at the start of the offseason when they brought in the meatheads and they started talking about biting kneecaps off. But look, at least they're at least they're practicing what they're preaching because if you look at their draft, they got nothing but kneecap biters. They got nothing but big brute force guys. And right here on the offensive line, keeping Jared Goff upright gives you the best chance to win. Because if Jared Goff is scrambling, as we've seen, if he doesn't have protection, as we've seen, he's terrible. He's not just terrible, he's below terrible. I, I don't really know what below terrible is. It might be like Tim Couch or, you know, Ryan Leaf. That's kind of, he kind of looks like one of those guys. When sometimes There was times last year where Jared Goff didn't even look like he knew what he was doing. It, it, it kind of looked like he was a high school player out there playing the NFL. It was nuts. But you keep him upright. You keep him protected. Jared Goff, he can, he can, he can, he can win you some games. He can deliver some balls. He can be a very average quarterback. And, and that can win you games right now, Lions. You're not looking to win a championship. You're looking to rebuild. You're looking to rebuild. And you started off right. And you started off with a young center. And you just you just took Penn A. Soul. So I like what they did there. But highest paid center in the league now. $42 million guaranteed. Pretty good chunk of change for the big sexy there. So on the last pod... I talked about how well I thought every team in the NFC East drafted, and I thought it was probably the best draft done by an NFC division, the NFC East. I, I do. I think that the NFC East was the best draft done by a division. So I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, why not do an AFC division then? Uh, so after thinking, I was thinking about it, you know, who am I going to take? You know, thinking about the divisions, could it be the AFC West, East, you know, North, South, whatever. Kind of came pretty easy, because when you looked at the AFC East, it's pretty easy to pick them. All right, so the AFC East is, is who I'm, we're, we'll talk about a little bit about them right now. So let's start with the six-time world champions, the New England Patriots, who in the first round didn't trade up. There's a lot of rumors that Bill was going to try to trade up. He wanted to get one of those quarterbacks. Uh, There's a lot of rumors from Mike Lombardi, again, I don't know, he's probably still smoking, that it was going to be Justin Fields or Trey Lance because they wanted to bring one of those two guys in and let Cam show them how to run the NFL. That was also a crock of crap. But they didn't. They didn't trade up. Bill stuck to where he was at, and at 15, he still got his quarterback, McCorkle Jones. And now look, Mac did not fall. For anybody, and I talked about this, you know, in the opening rant about the Niners. Mac Jones did not fall. McCorkle was drafted where I honestly still think too high. McCorkle's a second-round quarterback. 
but I like where McCorkle is. Mac is Mac's in a good place here now. This is a good spot for him. Josh Dang Josh McDaniels is a really good coordinator, and he's a smart guy. And the Patriot way is going to be so easy for Mac Jones to translate to because he what does he just came from? He just came from the Alabama way, which is the Nick Saban way. And the Patriot way is pretty much just the Bill Belichick way. And they, those guys, they're best friends, and they do so many similar things. I've watched the documentary on them. If you guys haven't seen the documentary on, uh, I think it's on, uh, it's on HBO Max or Amazon. One of those about Bill Belichick and Saban. It's an amazing watch. Just an amazing watch. Uh, those two, those two guys come from the same tree. Mac, Mac's gonna fit right in just perfectly fine. And uh, Josh McDaniels is gonna be able to do something with him. I, I don't. I think Cam will be the starter week one. But I do think Mac can, will be able to come in and play at some point in the season, especially if Cam struggles. Because Cam Newton's clearly not the answer. The Patriots needed a quarterback. So they went out and got the guy from Bama. The guy who didn't fall. The guy who actually would have kept going, honestly, to the second round. But Bill stuck, and he got him. Didn't have to trade up. Didn't have to give anything for him. Still got your quarterback. And then what did Bill do? Bill stayed true to what he was. The next four out of five picks were all on the defensive side of the ball including another Alabama player in the second round, Christian Bearmore, who was a hell of a defensive tackle. And they got Oklahoma's top edge rusher, Ronnie Perkins. And that guy's just, I mean, when you think about edge rushers, pretty much any edge rusher can work with Bill Belichick, but there are certain ones like Ronnie Perkins, who is speed and power off the edge that you just, you just kind of start salivating at the mouth, knowing that this guy's probably going to be a double digit sack guy in two years because Bill's going to make him that way. If he's good. Uh, then they, they took a running back in the fourth. Who's a big fit. I like him actually. It was, was it Oklahoma's running back? I think they took Oklahoma's running back in the fourth as well. A big physical runner. It reminds me a lot of LeGarrette Blunt kind of style. And if we remember LeGarrette Blunt on the Patriots, Josh McDaniels worked wonders with LeGarrette Blunt in that system. They had like three running backs. And it was LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt. And then they, boop, change of pace. Bring in Sony Michelle. Bring in whoever it is. Will Brady sling the rock on the outside. And then LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette. That's the kind of back that they got here. I just think it's a great all-around draft here for the Patriots. The Patriots are, they're not rebuilding. They're just retooling. They needed a quarterback. They needed some more help on the defensive side. We kind of saw that last year. Now, they did have a bunch of guys opt out. And all those guys are going to come back. So everybody that said the Patriots defense was terrible last year. Bill Belichick's probably lost it. The Patriots are going downhill. Let's pump the brakes on that because of what they went out and got in free agency and who they've added here in the draft. If at least two of these guys hit, and by two of them, I mean Mac Jones and one of the defensive rushers, Christian Barrymore or Ronnie Perkins. Yeah, this, 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 this team's going to be pretty good. It's going to be pretty good. The New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, we all know they got Zach Wilson with their second pick. And, you know, no surprise there. But it's, it's their next five picks that I just absolutely love. Let's start with their second pick in the first round. They took the big lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think, other than Rashawn Slater, is the most versatile lineman in this draft. Can play guard, can play tackle, on, on either side of the ball, right or left. Now, I heard that he was probably going to be their left guard. I heard that they're going to put him right next to Becton, and Becton's going to be the tackle, and there's going to be their guard. Now, we'll see, because you have OTAs, you have training camp, you have preseason. Could be an injury. Maybe they think that he's a better at another spot. But if they do have Elijah Vera Tucker right next to Becton on that left side, 
that's going to be a pretty meaty left side of the offensive line, man. Zach Wilson should be pretty protected from his blind side uh, because it's going to be hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. It's going to be hard for you as a top big-time edge rusher to get through both of these guys. It, just a great take right there. They needed offensive line. They went out and they got it. Then they go offense with their next two picks. So four picks in a row, including Zach Wilson, the Jets, the Jets went offense. And they got a gift in the name of a speedy wide receiver, Elijah Moore. And they also, another gift in the third round, running back Michael Carter out of North Carolina, who honestly I think might have been better than the guy who went before him. Michael Carter to me, is very Matt Forte-ish. Very Matt Forte-ish. And these guys just fell to him in the second and fourth round. Couldn't believe Elijah Moore was still there when the Jets got the Jets got the pick in the second round. I, I Honestly, I, I bet that J- Joe Douglas probably was like, holy shit, how is this guy here? We need exactly who this guy is, and he's here. Sometimes the draft works like that. Sometimes you just get little gift presents, you know, wrapped right up to you. It's like Christmas morning, you open it up, oh, it's Elijah Moore, oh, it's Michael Carter. That's pretty much what happened with the Jets. Couldn't believe that either one of those guys were still on the board, especially Michael Carter in the fourth. This is a guy that I had graded in the second round. I don't know why he fell, maybe because he was splitting carries at UNC, but to me, this kid is very Matt Forte-ish, very Matt Forte-ish, and I'm bullish on Matt Forte, loved him coming out. Tulane, they breed running backs. Uh, but then after that, so they, like I said, they went four straight offensive players and then the Jets and Joe Douglas decided to go on the other side of the ball and went, and went three straight defensive players. Started off with linebacker, uh, Jeremy Sherwood. Big, look, they need, they need somebody in the middle. They had some opt-outs too. Last year, the Jets did, but then that Jets offense was so bad. They need a big, strong body like Sherwood in the middle. This guy's just a middle playmaker. Look, he's not, he's not anybody that's going to be real good in coverage, but he's somebody that's going to stuff the run, and he's smart. He's going to be able to handle the middle. Then they went out and got two corners. One, one of the corners, Michael Carter, not to be confused with Michael Carter, the running back, Michael Carter, the second, the cornerback that I think is one of the steals in the later round of the draft. They ended up getting him in the fifth round. I think this guy's exactly what Robert Sala needs in his system. He, I, I circled him for the Buccaneers and for, and for the Jets. That's who I thought the best packages be with Todd Bowles and Robert Sala. And he goes to Robert Sala here. I Michael Carter II, I think, will come in and start in multiple packages. And he might, might not be one of the starting two corners on the outside on just a basic package, but any nickel, any dime packages, I think Michael Carter II comes in and fills that role pretty good. The Jets are rebuilding, guys. This draft, what they did last year. Look, they have a new coach, a new quarterback, and Joe Douglas did a fantastic job on just letting the Jets be able to rebuild and he took strong value pieces. He took offensive linemen. He took defensive playmakers. He took offensive playmakers. You know, uh, Jeremy Sherwood in the line, in 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 the third round, that's a that's a great value take. He took an offense. Elijah Vera Tucker right there in this in the first round. Great. I I like the running back take because they don't have any running backs and they needed a wide receiver in the playmaker. You got to surround Zach Wilson with what he can. Now they have an offensive line. They have some weapons for him on the outsides. Who knows? Next couple of years, if Robert Sala can coach, look out the Jets. The the NFC, uh, AFC East might be might be have to watch out for Mean Green here. All right, the Buffalo Bills, aka Bills Mafia, the defending 
AFC East champions. They, to me, probably had the best overall value, valuable draft. Just where when I was talking about a couple weeks ago where you find value, to me, the Bills probably have the most valuable draft and they got the most value in the first round in any other team. I don't care what anybody says. To have, in my opinion, the pass rusher with the most upside in this draft, Gregory Rousseau, fall to 30 is absolutely insane. And I'm sure that Triple B, Big Baller Bean, and McDermott were just absolutely ecstatic when they were able to get their hands on Gregory Rousseau at 30. At 30. To me, that's at least 15 spots too high for an edge rusher of this guy's capability. Now look, Rousseau is definitely still a work in progress, and maybe that's why he fell a little bit. But I don't care. I've talked about this before, but he is such a good fit for this scheme and for their culture. He's just he's instant he's instantly going to be a top jersey sales. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Gregory Rousseau will be a top 5 in jersey sales for the Buffalo Bills in his next year's rookie year because they're just going to love the kid. It's hard not to love this kid, especially in Buffalo. Look, I've been to Buffalo. I know a lot of Buffalo fans. They are immediately going to gravitate to this kid because he's a good story. And the Bills are an underdog. He is an underdog. Although he's like 6'10", 400 pounds, he's an underdog. And if McDermott can, can, can tweak him, and like I said, he needs, to, he needs to learn a little bit more about the position. But if McDermott can tweak him and that great defensive mind that McDermott has, and he can turn him into a Pro Bowl player, watch out. We're talking double-digit sacks every year. Watch out. But not only did they get one, not only did one edge rusher fall in this draft to the Bills, but they had two edge rushers fall in two back-to-back rounds. Carlos Boogie Basham, the second, was there in the second round. Another outstanding pass rusher. Look, the Bills knew that they needed to get pass rushers. They have they had Jerry Hughes, but other than that, they don't really have anybody else that's really rushing the passer. Ed Oliver's been such a disappointment. So they, they went out, and they in the first two rounds, what do they do? They get edge rushers. Edge rushers are my number two graded value in the, in, in the draft. Number two. You have to have them. So they, they not only just get Gregory Rousseau, but they got Carlos Boogie Basham in the second, who honestly, late in the second, I thought he would be an early second rounder. I thought teams, teams that needed more of a pass rush, I, th- I thought teams like maybe Cincinnati, you know, teams like that could have really used a Carlos Basham. But they didn't take him. And he's right there. And again, Brandon Bean and McDermott, they're licking their lips because they know what they have. Look, I think everyone saw how to beat the Chiefs, how to beat the Packers, and how to beat the Saints because the Buccaneers showed us how. You not only need to have a great quarterback, but you got to get to the passer. You got to rush. You got to rush Patrick Mahomes. If you're not bothering Patrick Mahomes, you're not bothering Aaron Rodgers, if you weren't bothering Drew Brees, which now anymore I know isn't on the Saints, but if you're not doing that, you can't win. You can't win. doesn't matter. They're too good. Patrick Mahomes is too good. We saw that in the AFC Championship game. He's just too good. You could not get enough pressure on him. You were up 9-0, and you blew it. You blew it. it honestly, it was 9-0. It was 0-0. I threw $100 on that game after it was 9-0. I got my money back and some. It wasn't even close because the Bills couldn't rush Mahomes anymore. Mahomes just stood back there and said, all right, 
You guys clearly aren't good enough on the defensive front. I'm going to stop trying to do this. I'm just going to sit here and pick you apart. And that's exactly what he did. But now, now they added two elite college pass rushers that will hopefully translate. And if both of them translate, if they both translate, McDermott can make them both work. We got a, we got a little, uh, maybe Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis kind of combo. I think both these guys can be double digit sack guys. It's going to be, if both these guys hit, it's impossible to double team one of these guys. Because if you double team one of them, it's going to leave somebody else open. The Bills, great job in the first, just the first two picks. And then they took two tackles in a row. So they not only took two edge rushers in a row, knowing they needed it, they went out and took two tackles in a row. Knowing that Josh Allen is their future. Knowing that they're going to need to upgrade soon on the offensive line. And you can never go wrong by taking an offensive lineman. One of the tackles can actually play guard. Spencer Brown. I know nobody's ever heard of him. I get it. And Spencer Brown. He's, he's, a, he's a Northern Iowa kid. I think this kid is one of the most underrated linemen. Maybe underrated players coming into the draft. And that's because he's a Northern Iowa kid. This kid, look, tape doesn't lie for offensive linemen usually. Tape does not lie for offensive linemen. If you have a great kick, if you can move around, if you can bend, if you're strong, if you have nice lateral and vertical movements, tape does not lie on that. I don't care who you're going against because a coach can see that and be like, yeah, look at this guy's footwork. This guy's strong. This guy's quick. Look, he, he can work in here. I don't understand why he fell. I think, I think in a year or two, this guy can be the staple left tackle for Josh Allen. Fuck, maybe even a right. Maybe even a guard. Like I said, he can play guard. He can play any position you want on the offensive line besides center. And then they finished off taking two secondary playmakers. And then they took a wide receiver and another offensive lineman to cap it off. They, the Bills drafted three O-linemen, two defensive linemen, two secondary players and a wide receiver. The best, the most valuable draft because they got the most value for the picks at that position. I love this draft. Love it. Absolutely. I, I mean, if you are a Bills fan, you have to just be so excited the way that your organization is, is going about these last four or five years. Just so excited. You mean to the AFC Championship last year. Now you got to see what you can do. You keep improving. Can Josh get better? Can these draft picks hit? Can Rousseau become a man? Boogie Basham? Spencer Brown? See what McDermott can still do? How long are you going to have Dable for? Hopefully, hopefully a while. I could see the guy get another coaching job. Maybe you got to win now. But hey, you have the pieces to beat Mahomes now. And at the end of the day, every AFC team is chasing one team, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And you gotta get you gotta get faster on the edges. The Bills saw it, they realized it, they filled it. Good job there, Bills Mafia. But while I absolutely love the Bills draft, I might like Miami's draft a little bit more because I don't think Miami just had the best draft in the AFC East. I think they might have had the best draft in the league. Now, it's not all about picks. Okay, it's not about all about who they pick. It's about value for the pick, and it's also about what you did in the draft other than a pick. And what did Miami do in the draft? Miami traded from 3 to 12, gained two first-rounders and a third-rounder, and then traded that first-rounder that they got from San Francisco to the Eagles to go back to 6. So they didn't only add picks this year, they added a first-rounder next for next year and a third-rounder for next year. It's pretty impressive. It's just it's just good all-around moves. But let's get to this year's draft. First thing I'm going to say, 
I don't love the Jalen Waddle pick. Now, I know I just said I loved Miami's draft. I would have rather them taken it off one of those two top offensive linemen. I would rather take a Penny Sewell or a Sean Slater. Just because, personally, for me, I'm always going to take the tackle, especially in the top 10. Now, I get it. Jalen Waddle is a walking highlight reel. The dude is for real. He's a stud. And he's played with Tua before. So they have a little kind of connection. They have they probably have some chemistry. But I def I would have liked to see I would have liked to see a tackle there more than the wide receiver. But I understand. I get it. I know I get why you picked him. You want to surround Tua with the best weapons possible. But then it starts to get really great for the Finns. Arguably the best pass rusher in this draft. Now Gregory Russo, I think, has the most upside, but I think ready to play. Best pass rusher right now can come in and be an absolute monster. They got him at 18 in Jalen Phillips. And he was just he was the first pass rusher off the board. At 18, the first pass rusher off the board. It's crazy how some of these and, that, and that's how a guy like Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham was able to fall to the Bills. Because the first pass rusher wasn't gone until 18. But Miami's sitting there and they could have went different ways. They could have went tackle here. There was there was there was a tackle on the board that they that they said that they liked. But this is where you go. You go right here. You fill a need in Jalen Phillips. An amazing, nasty, just a nasty defensive pass rusher that Brian Flores can turn into, like Bill Belichick, you know, can turn those defensive ends and, and, and edge rushers into double-digit sack guys. I think, J- I think Brian Flores can help and do the same thing with Jalen Phillips here. Then they took a highly rated safety in Javon Holland. And hint, hint, you know, this is what I was hinting at earlier when they let Bobby McClain go that they drafted Holland in the third round, right? And Javon Holland is no... I'm sorry, they drafted Javon Holland in the second round. Javon Holland's no slouch. This is a safety that I thought could have gone at the end of the first, and he actually ends up going to the beginning of the second. Javon Holland's a playmaker, man. This guy is a playmaker out of Oregon. I've watched watched numerous of his games because I'm a Pac-12 guy. Watch a lot of Pac-12 football. This kid is a stud. I think third... I I, I had him at second or third graded safety... Trayvon Morgan was my number one, but this kid can play. And I think drafting him is probably, you know, a little bit what to do on why they let Bobby McClain go. But this kid's a rock star. With their second pick of the second round, they maybe took the best running tackle, run blocking tackle in the draft. And Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. So you talk about just getting big nasties. I mean, you're getting... Jalen Waddle, Alabama, has been been in multiple national championship games. Jalen Phillips, Miami, has been in multiple big games. Then they, they went and got Javon Holland. He's been in, he played in two Pac-12 championships games. He's played in a Rose Bowl. He's made big plays on big teams. And then Eichenberg, Notre Dame guy. What does Notre Dame do? Play big schools. Play big teams. Miami went out and got big playmakers, big guys from big schools. And they got them all at great value. Eichenberg at almost the end of the second round? Insane. How was this guy? I couldn't believe he was still on the board. And then they were able to go out and get a playmaking tight end. Not just a tight end, a playmaking tight end. The kid from Boston College, uh, Hunter Long, who, if you watched any Boston College game this year, probably had, I know, at least six catches in every game. Every every time I watched a Boston College game, I heard his name. Hunter Long, Hunter Long with the catch. Hunter Long with the first, every time. This is this is a really good, really good weapon over the middle to go along with Gusecki. For Tua as a little safety blanket. This guy's a playmaker. He can go up and get balls. He's really good at crossing routes. He's faster than he looks. Kaseki's more of your possession red zone guy. This guy can be your playmaking tight end. Then uh, they finished 
with adding another tackle and they grabbed a running back as well towards the end of the draft. Look, just like the Bills, okay, for what Miami had on their roster, just like what the Bills had on their roster, and with the mix of who they just drafted, these high-end, talented players, and the fact that they have huge value in next year's draft, this this to me is it's it's kind of the no-brainer one, two, or third best draft in the in the NFL this year, in the NFL draft this year. It just has to be. They not only added pieces for the next couple of years, but they went out and added key value pieces. They surrounded Tua with the best weapons that they could have because they want to see, hey, we need to see you go. We need to know if you're the guy. Let's get you talent. Let's get you an offensive line. Let's get our defense some more playmakers, edge rushers, secondary playmakers. It's just an outstanding job by Miami. Outstanding job by Miami. If if Jalen Waddle can come in and be very successful very early, which I think he can, and if if uh, Jalen Phillips can just you know hiking it up and be a rotational player, just his rookie year, just a rotational. If he's good enough to be a rotational on that defense, a defense by the way, where they added more pieces to who was among the top ten in the league last year, top five. I mean, they added a lot. Miami's just an outstanding job at this draft. Outstanding. They're, they're my number one for the AFC East. Number two would have to go with, the, with Buffalo. And Buffalo is very close. But I think Buffalo has the best, has the more valuable draft. And has the guys that can, in the long run, work out more than, than Miami does. So I'd go Miami, Buffalo, then the Jets, who also had a tremendous draft. And then finishing off with the six-time world champions, New England Patriots. So that's my NFC East who I think it was the best the best division drafting. I mean, if you look at all that, what I say, I mean, if you look at where New England was last year, I mean, shit, New England won, what, six games? They went out and drafted this well. I mean, they were able to get a quarterback. They were able to get multiple defensive pieces. They got a big-time big, big time running back that can, that can just plow through people. You don't have to really worry about Cam too much. I mean, all you're doing is running the ball anyway. The Jets are a complete rebuild. New coach, new, new quarterback, new everything. Joe Douglas did a great job with this draft. Miami. Miami won 10 games last year. Then they went out and drafted who I think probably the best edge rusher in this in this draft. I think the best wide receiver, well, second best wide receiver in this draft, a walking highlight reel. Miami's Miami's going to be good next year. I don't I don't see why they shouldn't win 10 win 10 games again. 10 11 games. And the Buffalo Bills, who are so close, this close to having a super team. All it takes is one of those two edge rushers to hit. That one uh, if that tackle can come out and be just, just as good as I think he could be. They have a super team. The Bills have a super team, and it's not just the Kansas City Chiefs you have to be in the AFC. It'll have to be the Buffalo Bills, too. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for me today. A uh, good lengthy podcast. We're at, uh, we're at almost an hour or so, so I think that's going to do it. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys at the beginning of next week. Have a good one. Godspeed. Peace. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. I hope you've had a great week. As always, I am your host, Russell Goddard. This is Breaking the Goal Line podcast. We are just one week removed now from the NFL draft, and a lot has happened. A lot has transpired. Uh, We've kind of seen these picks in more of a light. We still got some Aaron Rodgers drama, of course. Aaron Rodgers always brings drama, uh, but a lot to get into. Still going to talk about the draft. I mean, like I said, we're only a week, week removed. And we're kind of in that limbo stage. I talked about it last week, kind of in that limbo stage of, you know, the draft before OTAs and training camp. And we're just kind of waiting for the season to start. 
Uh, but still, a lot to get into. Uh, still cover a little bit more about the draft. I'm gonna talk about an. I talked about an NFC uh, NFC division on the last pod that I thought had the best draft. Uh, today I'm gonna talk about an AFC division. So we're gonna get into that. Before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. Uh, please do. If you have, thank you so much. And as always, if you're listening on Apple iTunes, go ahead and leave me a review. Tell me if you like the show. Tell me if you don't like the show. Tell me what I could be doing better. I don't care. You know, constructive criticism, you got to take it. It's always good. Go ahead and do that. Thank you so much. And if you already have, as always, thank you. All right, guys, let's get in it.